I think women want to be perfect. So sometimes they say, oh, my pronunciation is not good and I'm not sure about this. Whereas the men, they speak, they make mistakes, but basically they don't care, you know. Yes. Hello and welcome to the Feel at Home in France podcast. This podcast is about and for expert women who share their experience and insights on navigating French culture, customs and lifestyle. Every week I share a new episode on this podcast and my ambition is to evoke the most authentic conversations about life in France. So I will share solo episodes with you with thoughts about living our best expert life and we will also hear interviews with guests about the drawbacks they had to face and which awesome journey they created for themselves. Overall, with this podcast, I aim to provide a sense of community and connection for those who have made the move to France. If you want to be part of the adventure, you can connect with me on social media where I share more thoughts than some of my French life. You can find the links in the description. How about you? You know that France is the place to be for you, but there are some moments when it doesn't feel all right yet. But if you want to take a first step towards your own way of French living, check my workbook Embracing Your French Life. I guide you with three questions to get more clarity on your daily life and the next actions you may take. And now it's time to introduce our guest. Hello, I hope you're doing great today. I have the pleasure to meet Patricia Pedizzi today. She lives in Nice and she offers French classes to expert women. Yeah, Patricia is French actually, but she will tell us how and why she can relate to international women in France. We're going to talk about learning French, all the stuff, the ups, the downs, you know, It's just part of the adventure and it's just very important if you really want to feel at home in France. How is Patricia connecting French people, language and international women? We will hear about it in this episode. How to learn French and be successful in mastering this language. Hello Patricia, how are you today? It's beautiful seeing you here. Hi Anna, I'm fine, thank you. Nice to be meeting you as well. It's wonderful to have you here in the podcast. And let's right away start with the first question. Where sure. do you live today and what do you like the most about the place you live now? Right. I live in the south of France. I live in Nice in on the French Riviera. And what I like the most is the sea, the blue sky, the nice weather, uh, the nice architecture, the Italian influence. I love this part of France. Are you from this area? Did you know it before? Um, I'm not from this area. I was born in Marseille, so it's just two hours away. So it's more like the, the Provence side of France. But still, uh, I wanted uh, the sun, the seaside and, you know, that sort of atmosphere. Yeah, you're still a French southern girl. Yeah, exactly. Very southern girl. <laughs> <laughs> so today Patricia is with us and actually she is French. She's working with expats and she will tell us how she's connected with expats living in France. Yeah, that's right. Well, I used to live in London. I lived in London for seven and a half years. I worked at the airport and then I came back to France, uh, not in the south of France at first, but basically I've been in the south of France for more than 20 years now. And during the lockdown, I started thinking about an activity uh, which I could do when I retire. Uh, so that's when we were in lockdown, actually, I thought about all these people who were stuck in France because they couldn't go home. You know, all the flights were cancelled mm. and they couldn't yeah, fly. Yeah. yeah. So I started thinking, what about giving French classes, you know, 
And that's how I started, basically. And, and then I extended my services to discover the French culture, offering workshops and visits of the city while we were still practicing the language. So I tried to make it a bit fun and less boring than traditional classes, basically. Yeah, it's a wonderful concept. And we will talk a little bit about it more in detail. And sure. please share a little bit about how you became an expert in England and how you experienced your own life in a foreign country. Well, basically, I studied foreign languages in Aix-en-Provence, which is still in the south of France, and I decided to improve my English. So obviously, I went to England and I worked for Air France, the airline. And then when I came back, um, that's why I said I wanted to help. Well, how can I relate is because uh, when I lived in London, Obviously, I missed my family. I missed the country. I missed the food. So did <laughs> I missed... you go alone? You, you were alone? With, um... uh, well, I was with my boyfriend at the time. Okay. Yeah. So I missed a lot of French stuff, you know, like food and people and my family. So that's how I related to expats. I thought when they're away from their country, obviously, they must miss their food and, you know, their families yeah. and everything so it's also a different a very different climate exactly the, the weather was different and and also the language even if I had studied English for a large number of years <laughs> when I, when I arrived in England it was really difficult to understand people you know the way they speak and especially at the airport I met a lot of English, but also British or Welsh or South African, Australian. And I mean, it's not that obvious to understand the different accents at the beginning. So that's how I understood how they must feel uh, when they're here by themselves. But basically, my first objective was to help expats spouses uh, who were transferred with their husbands when the you know their husbands yeah. got promoted or so I thought they just are by themselves and they have to deal with the everyday life, like going to school and going to the pharmacy on the doctors and they don't speak the language. Yeah, so that's how themselves. Yeah. yeah, they're by themselves. So I really felt something really strong. I mean, a strong feeling to, to help them. Yeah, and it's um, like you say already, it's not what you learn in school that it really mm. actually in your daily life makes it, there's no smooth um, transition, even if you know, yeah. or even if you have a very well um, knowledge, knowledge of the language. language. Yeah, yeah. It's not smooth at all. It's no. Really, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, uh, it can be very different, the, the yeah. language from the natural people around. Yeah. And actually, that's how, if I mean, you can feel isolated, even more isolated when you cannot communicate. You know, I thought about all this before offering the services. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you offer the services of language learning now, today. Yeah. That, uh, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because I really adore the idea how you do it. Oh, and right. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just really like to share this with the audience. Yeah, sure. Well, I've got the traditional way when I give uh, Zoom classes, like I've got a six-week program to make it really dynamic and so people can start 
communicating straight away. So we do really the basics. That's really traditional, like the numbers, the conjugations, because I think that if you want to form sentences, you need to know how the verbs work, you know, the yeah. system of conjugation. So really it's basic stuff. And so there you um, work with, sorry, but there you work with uh, people that have never have spoken French before. Well, it depends. I've got to, I mean, sometimes they're beginners, sometimes they want to practice conversation. So I can do both or I can mix both because during the conversation, if they don't really master the conjugations, then I will go back and explain. Because I do on Zoom, I can share screens, work on documents, and then I send the documents with the sentences we have worked on, on the email after the class. And also sometimes they say, oh, I need to go to social security. Can we work on sentences okay. I have to say? So it's just like everyday sentences we work on. Yep. So that, that's the traditional way, I would say, to start yeah. with. Yeah. Uh, which is almost an obligation. I mean, because I'm a teacher, I think grammar is really essential. Yeah, it's because... essential to know about the... Yeah, just the basic. Yeah, but I think it's really uh, important if you want to really communicate, and because you, they will improve day after day. But the grammar is really essential. And then I've got a sort of a more fun way during the visits on the workshops to discover the culture. I can organize work. Um, sorry, cooking workshops. So we cook together. We have lunch together with a chef. So we speak French. And all the people I work with speak English. So obviously, if they don't understand, we will translate. But it's nice to know that you can understand more than what you think. Because what women usually do, they lack self-confidence. And then when they see that they can speak and they can understand more than what they think, it boosts their self-confidence. So I've got a few workshops and visits. or We have like these coffee mornings or walks and talks where we visit the city and then we visit and I explain a few things about the city and then we have a coffee and I can explain rules. And basically it's bespoke, like if they have questions about something they haven't understood or the place they want to go or whatever. So it's really, I meet their needs. Yeah, and I'm also not like really strict about my way of teaching. And you also connect essential experience with the language. Yeah, so that's right. The influences of the visual influences, auditive influences, and they connect with the words that you're sharing at that moment. I think yeah. it's really important and has a different impact, especially in cooking sessions or wine sessions. I think you go yeah. to the also with the people. Yeah, like exercises we can do when we visit the city, like if they want to go in the old town and they want to buy spices, they go and talk to the shop owners. Or when we toured the Christmas market one day, this client wanted to buy a gift for her daughter, so she had to speak with the owner. Obviously, I'm here just in case I help. Yeah. But it's just exercises. Or we go to the station and we ask the price of a ticket, a train ticket. And because I'm here, they think, well, they feel that if they're stuck, I will help them. So it just shows how you can communicate. You know, it's sort of give them confidence. And yeah. I like it because it's sort of dynamic and it's more like uh, an everyday approach. 
like how we would say action oriented approach you know <laughs> yeah i'm totally for this like combining different um like movement and learning together and combining different activities and also yeah. i think when when you talk about that a lot of women are lacking confidence mm. in learning the language yeah i think this is very true and you're basically there you're more confident booster because i guess when you're uh, just next to them they mm. will actually manage most of it themselves yeah but they know that if if they don't understand the the shop owner i will be there to translate or help them so you know and also what i would like to add is that women are less confident than men i mean i can give lessons to men if they ask because there are some expat men as well, you know. Okay. And usually they feel more confident. I think women want to be perfect. So sometimes they say, oh, my pronunciation is not good and I'm not sure about this. Whereas the men, they speak, they make mistakes, but basically they don't care, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, so I have a friend here who really hesitates uh, to speak because she's afraid that, it's not correct enough for people mm. to understand her. And I think we have to differentiate in knowing the grammar, like mm. everything that you teach to people uh, on your Zoom classes and yeah. knowing how it should be. But then in the beginning, when you want to get just get the message out, mm. you just make sure you kind of have the right verb, the noun, and kind of the direction of what you want to say, and then just go for it. And if yeah. it's not right, then... Uh, Either the other person will correct you or mm. somebody will help you with the word. And then little by little, you will adapt with getting the right uh, conjugation of the verb and getting yeah. the form maybe of which, because sometimes there are different verbs which are similar and you don't really know is this, this or that. Just use one and then people get the message and they will help you to, to learn and to advance. Yeah. And also if you don't make mistakes, and if you don't try, you'll never know what is right. So it's because you make mistakes that you are corrected and then you get it right after a while. But if you don't speak, well, you, you still keep your mistakes. Yeah. And if you live in a country, it's nicer if you can com communicate and also if you can understand the TV, the radio and, and how people act. And obviously it's different from your country. So you've got to learn everything. What is the goal for your clients mainly? Like, what is the common demands that you have from them? So, like I ask, um, do you have a lot of clients who just start out with French? Do you have more clients that already know some French? Is it really to communicate with other people? Is it to be more self-reliant on shopping or also with like working with French administration? What's the the main demands? Well, it depends. Basically, I've got beginners and I've got uh, people who want to practice that conversation skills. And also, yeah, the demand is also go with them to different places like the mairie or the tax office. They need me to translate, so I can have that as well. Well, obviously, if it's in Nice, I go with them. Well, Nice and around. I've got a bit of everything. Yeah, that's the really thing is, service. Yeah. You go with them to administration. Yeah, yeah. I think that's important to go. And, and I really wanted to do with the people so they know how they can act with tax people and how they can act with other people i mean you've got to know the culture of the country yes that that's important to go with them and then 
maybe one day they'll go by themselves. So that that's the aim actually. So they can go and, and speak and do the everyday stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's that's the goal, obviously, to yeah. have them autonomous with their own uh, language skills. Yeah. And do you have people that, that now are just fluent that have kind of grown out of your accompanying program? Yeah, sure. Because I, I mean, don't know how many years do you already offer this service? But that's probably very individual. But how much time does it take uh, in, in general for people to kind of grow out of the health? Well, I think it depends how you are committed and how much work you're prepared to do. I mean, obviously, I think people are sometimes impatient and they want to be fluent in a day or overnight. And I would say it doesn't happen like this. I mean, I've been studying languages for years, practicing, listening radio and videos. And so if they practice every day, which is difficult if you don't go to school with the children, you don't work with people, like a lot of people now work at home. So yes. it's difficult to meet. Yeah, it is really difficult for them. Yeah. But I would say, I mean, I don't want to scare people off, but... After six months, you can start communicating, especially if you live in the country and, and be quite, not fluent, but being confident. I mean, I've got a client, she's really shy and she sort of doesn't want to know about grammar. <laughs> she doesn't want to learn about conjugation. She just wants to speak. And then at one stage, she understood that she needed to know how verbs work in French. And actually, I meet her every week. So we have a walk in the city and the coffee. And every week, I think she really makes progress. Within six months, I suppose she'll be okay to add the verbs and the compliments. And, and she learns words every day as well because she lives here. But, I mean, I would have as an objective as like six months. And, and then a year, I think, can be like fluent after a year. But as I said, it depends how much work you put into it and if you speak every day so that, that that would make the difference yeah evolving also next to your classes by meeting other people talking to the neighbors and exactly being in contact with the french language yeah, yeah. But i think six months to one year is absolutely realistic i think that's what i needed to be fluent yeah in. yeah and also speak but understand people as well It's listening and speaking. There's a lot of skills when you learn the language. People Sorry. understand before they can speak. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. You can understand, but don't speak. So it's it works both ways. And the brain is uh, a good tool. We don't imagine how powerful a brain is. Even if you're not young, probably takes longer. But yeah, but it's really nice when after six months, you feel that You have made progress and after a year you can communicate, you understand more than at the beginning. So you shouldn't have like high objectives like I'm going to be fluent in a month. Um, well, unless you're, you know, very, very smart and you have a brain uh, that is working. Yeah, that's oriented. Very quick. Yeah. Yeah. But actually the, this, uh, what we say about that it's more difficult to learn a language when you're older. I think there are studies that say, obviously, it, everything gets a little bit more difficult to learn mm. when we get older. But I think it's more because we're not used to learn anymore. That's right. And You've, studies say yeah. also that, especially for languages, 
when you have a reason why you need this language, it mm. actually goes quite fast. Like quite sure. fast within the six months to one year kind of um, yeah. measure. Maybe for the audience, I will, if I find the TED Talk again, where they explain all of this, yeah, uh, I will put it into the notes. But it was mm -hmm. really interesting to see. But what is the difference is that the first 12 years of our life, we can hear the sounds of the other language and can reproduce them. Yeah. So that's the difference that when you learn it, when you're older than 12 years, mm. or when you learn a language, which is then often uh, a, a language that you learn within your family mm. you know, from under 12 years, it's more about the sound pronunciation, all this words, vocabulary and all this. It's more linked to your your experience that you create next to the learning of the language. Yeah. And also, I would say that we only use like a third of our brain, I think. You'll be able to have a lot of vocabulary and sentences more than what you can imagine. And also, it depends where you come from. I mean, if you're an English speaker, obviously, the grammar is really different. It's not like Spanish or Italian, which is quite... The, the grammar system is similar as French about the conjugations and things like that. Whereas English grammar is really simple, well, more simple. So there are things that are long, you know, to take in. But I mean, I think that everybody can speak a language after a while. People shouldn't put the pressure on themselves. Yeah, is that one of the reasons why people have problems to adapt with the uh, French language because of this pressure because we see it so often or we I can read it in the expert groups that they say oh I have so much um, problems to really speak French I do all this Duolingo or I read these mm. things and all this but I don't get forward in really communicating with people being in this discussion is, is pressure part of this problem especially for women well, I think, uh, I don't know about the apps, really. I mean, because the apps, maybe you learn sentences and vocabulary, but if you don't practice and you don't try to form sentences, then I don't know how it can really help you. I think basically what you need is speak with people and listen to whatever you can, like the radio, television, or, you know, and read I mean, it's, it's a combination of different skills when you learn a language. It's listening, speaking, reading, and then the brain will work it out. Yeah, definitely. But it seems that people kind of uh, put this expectation on themselves with the missing confidence of going out there and just to speak to people. Yeah, yeah. Well, well I mean, you shouldn't have an objective. It depends how you react with learning as well i mean do you like learning do you like learning by heart do you like studying you know things like that if people study after the class and they read and they listen like every day obviously they will be, make more progress than somebody who doesn't really work at all yeah the pressure is because people think oh i'm going to live there and in three months i'm going to be fluent i don't think it works like that really takes time and and work yeah it takes it takes definitely some time yeah yeah and did you get kind of an answer to the um, to this often people mm -hmm. think that french is such a difficult language do people come to you and say oh it's so difficult because of this and that or is it 
Is it more like the Anglophone people that think it's that so difficult? Well, I think... I can tell you Germans think it's very difficult. <laughs> yeah, German is difficult as well, but French is difficult because of the conjugations. And there are a there's a lot of tenses. There is a lot of different ver verbs. Also, the gender system. People say, I don't know when to say le and la, which actually, it's true. I mean, I know because I'm French. And there are some rules. So I have a document which explains when you have to say le and la. That's difficult because it doesn't happen in English. You don't have le and la. It's the for everything. You know? Yeah, but it comes so back to the system of confidence. Because um, for me, I when I learned French, I just didn't care if I say Leola. I just exactly, used the word. Exactly. Yeah. And then you see what people say. Because people will correct you. Or, uh, you know, if you hear people say la table and you say le table, I mean, after two or three times, you can say, well, okay, people say la table, so it must be la and not le. That's yeah. how you learn when you hear people like native speakers. So that's not a problem, but people really struggle with that. Yeah, and the conjugation is really, it's more difficult. That's why in my program, I just learn the present, the past, and the future to start with. Because I think we need to know the present. And then obviously when you meet people, they're going to say, oh, how was your weekend? And what did you do? Where did you go? So you have to know. Uh, the past and also the future uh, and that's it that's the three tenses i think at the beginning that you have to know and once you know that then we can go to other tenses but basically when we speak we just use these three tenses we don't use the subjunctive i mean some french people don't even know the subjunctive yeah i went to classes so. with the subjunctive in strasbourg yeah uh, just right before i i did two years of two two mornings so actually quite intensive mm. and I I just never got it <laughs> I just never... yeah there's there's always a way round to it there are always different ways of saying things so if you feel that when you have a sentence and and you're going to be stuck then you change for something else even in English I mean when I speak sometimes I think oh well I don't know this word well I try to find another one a synonym sometimes you're tired I mean, especially when you're tired at the end of the day, you're looking for words and you don't know. So, yeah, it, it does, there's always a second way. And when people understand that they can find synonyms, they can use other structures, you know, you still people will still understand you. And you will understand people too, after a while. Yeah, what is the errors that most foreigners do with the French language? Is it like this le, la, and also the fear that comes with it? Yeah, I think le, la is really difficult. Yeah. I mean, if you don't know the rules, it can be difficult. I've got a document. They can have the document like on their phone or on their desk when we have the classes. And then they look at the document. And the more you look, the more you will take it in. And then it's nice to hear somebody who makes mistakes, I think. I mean, it can be funny as well. And then humor is really important. When you make a mistake and people say, oh, no, we don't say that, and it's fun, 
you try to say it correctly the second time, and if you don't make it the second time, well, it'd be the third time. I mean, I'm quite relaxed about it. I'd rather have people who speak and make mistakes, yeah, rather than people who sort of try to have the perfect sentence and then we don't communicate. Yeah, because then it's just you talking and explaining things, but you don't know what actually gets in for the person listening. Yeah. So you can't uh, you can't really help that person. So the, the, exactly. Mm. When we're in the situation of learning the language, it's it's always to our own benefit to just go out and share what we what we know the words and try to talk with. Okay. Yeah. And also when people approach me or, you know, call me or whatever, it's that they need to speak French. It's like they reached a stage where they understand that, I mean, when you live in a country, you more or less have to speak the language. And so it's like essential. So they're more motivated. It's not like you impose to learn French. It's just because they really feel that because they live in the country they they need to speak and they need to learn there's more motivation i think yeah but it also makes me think of if people reach out to you to speak the language it means that there is um, it's um it's kind of like the first step to better integration because mm. they're missing to be integrated with the french community sure and as what i know of nice mm. you're still able to live there with speaking very little French actually absolutely yeah loads of English people oh yeah um, but so actually you have the people that that really want to integrate it want to know your their French neighbors they want to get into mm. the French community which is a great thing I believe yeah yeah so I kind of had for when I learned French I kind of had friends who did with me what you're doing with your clients yeah so I know it's a great way of um, of learning the language. So I, I was um, befriended with moms. So we met mm. at the playgrounds and we were around with the children. I must say that after so a year or two years, I was fluent in French. It was I call it the mama French. <laughs> so yeah, that's really my yeah, but it helps. Yeah, yeah. Extended with every time when I met new people, mm. we added new subjects. <laughs> but yeah, so but it's really this thing. What I hear is that actually you must. Uh, get in contact with a lot of people that are quite um, uh, lonely maybe because they can't overcome the step of uh, to connect with the people just because of the language barrier so you're also sure. a connector yeah yeah well I try I try to organize like apero evenings so people can meet and and speak French and it's a way also after the class they can Sort of get in touch and and meet other people, but they have to have the same level. I mean, if it's a beginner session, well, I will have to find beginners. Otherwise, people might feel frustrated. Yes, that was one of the aim as well when I started my business to make people connect and socialize. Yeah, they don't feel isolated. But then, when you connect these foreigners with each other. They will still speak French. Oh yeah, they have to. Okay, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. that's always yeah. the thing yeah. of falling back onto a language. Well, I mean, if it's really difficult, we can have one or two sentences in English. I mean, like 
two days ago, we I had this uh, Easter decoration workshop. I don't know if you saw the photos on on Facebook. Oh yeah, with the where yeah, there were two British women actually, but they had to speak French. But when it became technical, then obviously we have a, one or two sentences in English mm-hmm. when you know it's really difficult. But the, yeah, the rule is to practice French, and it's funny to see how two English speakers can speak French because they they tend to ask questions like where you come from or where do you live or whatever. So it's nice when people try to communicate in French. Yeah, and when you do these atelier, these workshops, yeah, the um, how do you say atelier? I'm so into yeah, atelier, yeah, <laughs> language. When you do these workshops. Like the Easter workshop, it's probably you did it on your own, but often you have local service providers that you get in. Like yeah, yeah. Being, you yeah. work with, and I think she's English. Well, I work with trained in France. The person. Which who, one? The. Cooking. I worked with a chef. Yeah. Yeah, cooking. She was American, but she lived in in France, so she speaks French very well basically the others are french speakers but they speak english so i have like a working uh session with a chef she has her own uh, professional kitchen so we go to the market she explains a few things and then we cook and we have lunch the perfume creation i work with uh, a guy we used to work for molina you know the 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 brand in in grass which is the uh, city where perfume industry started and when I go to visit the chateau they they have guides who explain the wine tasting so basically when I do workshops I always work with specialists yeah and and they speak English so we can transfer it into English if it's really difficult to understand if needed yeah but yeah in itself it's really um, natural French speaking yeah yeah yeah, they're French speakers. Yeah, and it's important because I guess when people once get used to your way of speaking French, then they yeah. are confronted with other people speaking French and it gives already a first diversity of uh, listening. Yeah, and also different accents. Like when we did the uh, Easter decoration workshop, my friend is from the east of France. So she has a different accent. So it was interesting to compare how she pronounces words and how I pronounce words. And, you know, when you start making a difference into accents, that's really, you've reached a next level, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so it was nice. It's always interesting to, to learn. And that that's part of the culture. I mean, the people from the south of England don't speak the same way as people from the north or the east. And American as well. They have accents and Australians. I can tell you in Germany, we have so many accents. It's like just, it's yeah, really yeah. very, very, very huge differences, actually. I rather have the feeling that in France, also, there are accents. They are not that, like, compared to what I'm used from Germany, they are mm. not even that strong. I know they well, can I'm... be. For you, probably, as a French person, you feel yeah. like, oh, wow, that's different. Yeah, okay, oh, we yeah. have the and the one from the Marseille when they meet each other. It's mm, exactly, it's different. Yeah, and the Marseille accent is different from the Nice accent, and yeah, they are different. 
differences. Yeah, but it's great that you offer this uh, diversity for the people. Yeah, what in general would you tell to uh, women struggling with the language? I know I say women because my podcast is um, dedicated to um, foreign women living yeah. in France. Obviously, this concerns men and women, I guess. Sure. But there might be a little bit, like you said already, something with confidence. So what would you tell women struggling with the language? Well, I would say try, speak, even make mistakes. It doesn't matter. What is going to happen if you make mistakes? Nothing. Maybe start preparing the sentences when you know that you're going to go to the boulangerie, for example. And actually, learning a language is repetition. If I always take the example when we were children, how we started learning our native, like our mother tongue. We make mistakes and then we repeat it and then we make mistakes again. And at one stage, you pronounce correctly and then you make sentences. So it doesn't matter if you make mistakes. You speak and then, um, yeah, and then you will learn. Obviously, if you can learn, have like a few lessons to know, as I said, how the language works. And then I suppose that when you see that you have spoken, even if it's four or five words to start with, then you're happy, you're proud, you know, and then the next day you try again. So, yeah, it's a really matter if you want to make progress. So you have to try and forget about the mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Because it takes time anyway to, to learn the language. I think that really I insist on that. It takes time. So when people say, oh, I want to have classes with you and like in a month, What can you guarantee? Well, I don't guarantee anything in a month. I just say, no, it's impossible in a month, especially if it's once a week. I mean, the brain has got to take everything in and it takes time. So time is uh, what is uh, the most important element, I think. Yeah, I guess if somebody will really want to make a huge step forward in a month, it would have to be five times, like five hours a week, probably with you. Mm. Well, if it's one hour every day, I, I don't think it depends how you learn. Basically, some okay. people really have well struggled with understanding the okay. tenses, for example. So even if you had like two hours a day for 30 days. Obviously, you would make progress, but some people are slow learners. Mm. So that's why I say you have to take time. And eventually, you, you'll make it. No pressure, I think. Do <laughs> you have something special to give to the women for their confidence? Or is it just something you realized yourself? But you, do you express it toward them? that it might be more confidence problem than actually a knowledge of the language problem? Do they know it? I know you expressed it to me mm. um, already in previous exchanges, but do you actually express it to your uh, with your clients? Well, it depends what they say. If they say, well, I want to learn in a month, I will say, well, you know, it's going to be difficult because it takes time. But if people say, oh, I'm shy and... I don't know how to pronounce and that's why I don't speak. Then I sort of say, well, you have to try. And then when you see that you make progress, then that will boost your self-confidence. And also I encourage them. I mean, when I 
see that they really are making progress after like two or three lessons, I just tell them, look, you know, the first lesson, you didn't understand that. Now you understand and sort of boost them. And I'm pleased to see when they smile, you know, usually the first and second lesson, they're a bit sort of tensed. And then the third lesson, they start sort of being relaxed. And uh, so it's nice. That sort of build a relationship as well. Even if they stop the classes, we sort of have emails sometimes and some people who own a, an apartment here in Nice, when they come to Nice, they say, oh, can we have a coffee and have a French glass over a coffee? It's nice, I think, because then you're more relaxed to speak when you have a coffee or a drink. <laughs> yeah, and you connect on yeah. a totally different um, level with your with your clients. Yeah. I think this is really something that's completely important to you. Mm, it and is it, important, yeah. And it's also... Um, what you use from your own expat experience yeah exactly i think obviously i can understand how they feel because i felt the same years ago yeah and my english wasn't that bad i mean when i arrived in england i had studied english for maybe 10 years wow okay you know at university and so i wasn't a beginner But it was really difficult. So can imagine when you're a beginner and you get into a country that you don't know and you haven't studied at all. That's you know, even worse. Oh, yeah. Okay. Though I really understand how you can mm. relate to the people that mm. when you experience that with yourself, that's strong. Because I was um, with 16 as a high school student. I went to the US. That's where I learned English. Mm. And I don't remember it being complicated. But maybe I just forgot. <laughs> so I, I, maybe it's just, yeah, it's different probably when you learn it with 16, you're just thrown into the high school and everybody's yeah, probably. excited to meet you. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, when you're young, there is less censorship, I think. When, when I arrived in England, I was 25, I think. I was an adult already. But yeah, I find it difficult to understand the different accents and also because I had to work. So it was like every day when people spoke to me at the airport, sometimes I didn't understand the accent or it was quite technical at the beginning. Yeah, there was know, a certain importance behind it. But I like yeah. what you say, this, the, this, the word censorship. Mm. So that, that goes back to this thing like, should I use this? Should I say this? We limit ourselves mm. because we're so afraid of... Um, putting words out there and then this exactly holds us back i like uh, this this word mm. even if it's not a nice word but it kind of like mirrors what happens yeah speak yeah that's why people uh, children well first of all their brain is more tender i think so they learn faster but they've got i mean they don't care if they make mistakes they speak and whatever yeah <laughs> sometimes the the, the uh, order of the sentences is not correct but it doesn't matter they have tried whereas when we are adults we want the sentences to sound good and not make mistakes be careful with the accent pronunciation a lot of things and then at one stage that's why you don't speak <laughs> But how is your impression of the French person responding to the expat who's trying and doing an effort? Because like you say that as children, we're not so much concerned about how we do it. But when you're an adult, 
So you you try to speak the language, but you're not very good at it yet. So it gives mm. um how I can say a big discrepancy. Yeah. Yeah, like a gap. Yeah. yeah, there's this gap between yeah. being an adult. So people in front of you, they expect you to know certain things. Mm. But then you start speaking and they're like, oh, hang on. Uh, she doesn't understand the word. And you're, yourself, you're already, okay, I'm an adult. I should be able to, say, be able to do these things, yeah. but I can't. So you have this, um, yeah, there's this big gap. And I think it, it this causes a lot of... Um, lack of self-confidence because there's mm. it's not there's not only this gap i'm actually yeah. preparing a, <laughs> um an episode about this because there are lots of gaps when you arrive at the next mm. it's just one of them that just is to overcome but yeah. how is the reaction of other people like usually uh from the french side how is your impression how people taking it on experts trying to speak french yeah well i mean i give uh classes to people who live in the south of France, but also people who live in France, for example, or other English speakers like quite a lot, I've got quite a lot of American clients who want to come to the south of France to retire. So they want to get prepared and take classes before, you know. But uh, the one who live in France, what they say is when they start speaking in French, people will respond in English sometimes. You know, and and then they think, oh, you know, sometimes they get offended. But I think you shouldn't, well, they shouldn't get offended. I think that for us, it's the opportunity to speak English. So, like, we we feel that we help them speaking in their language. It's not because their French is really bad and we haven't understood and they have made a lot of mistakes. It's just that I think we're pleased to speak English with them. So when I do the exercise, for example, in Nice with the clients, if they go to the shop owners, they start asking in French and the shop owner carries on in English. Sometimes I just say, well, can you speak French to them? It's an exercise. They have okay. to practice French. So they start you know, speaking in French. So I just say to the expats, yeah, you just have to say, could you speak French? I need to practice. And but it's not because they're, as I said, it's their French is uh, really bad. It's just that maybe French people are happy to speak English too. It's just the opportunity to speak with real people, you know, really like real English speakers. So, but that's that's really how weird. I see it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. I think but... it's an, it must be an island in France because I did not have this experience in Strasbourg. Well, actually, quite a lot of international people are. So yeah. you would think that French people in Strasbourg know English, but it was not my experience at all. All right. And well, now yeah. I'm living in Burgundy. I mean, <laughs> just mm. in the middle of Burgundy, you can't get very far when you don't. Yeah. Speak. Well, I, I I talk about people who live in cities, actually. I had a client who lived in, in Rennes. I had a client who lived in Paris and so cities. I don't know when you live in the countryside, maybe, yeah, maybe people will not respond in English. But I had quite a few clients who said that, yeah, when they start speaking in French, people will uh, carry on in English. So it depends, really, I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, we actually... Um... At the end, nearly of the podcast, right? And I have uh, one last question for you. Sure. 
you return to France and mm-hmm. now you live in the south well you returned to France quite a long time ago but now you live yeah. in France. and what do you think is the biggest blessing related to your move back to France from London yeah well basically I really am grateful for the French medical system and, and the French education system because I, I was brought up in this system you know I'm not saying that the other systems are bad and I know that the French education system is not perfect but when I had my children I really wanted to bring them up in the French education way and so I'm grateful yeah for these two reasons the medical system and 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 the school system which is actually free that's why I'm grateful yes (laughs) okay to pay yeah that's one of the reasons. Yeah, it can be quite expensive in England. Yeah. When yeah. You mm. To educate your children the way you want them. Exactly. To be educated. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say uh, I feel grateful for that. Thank you very much, Patricia, for sharing all this part of your life. Well, thank you. That was a pleasure. Yeah, for me too. It was wonderful learning about your work and the way you share your love for French language and culture. Stay tuned. <laughs> with yeah, my photos. yeah. And... Patricia shares wonderful photos and uh, images about the south of France. Yeah, that's right. If you want to go on dream a little bit, follow her. Thank you for joining in in today's episode. If you like, you can join my newsletter for the podcast so you don't miss next episode coming up, and you will get some insights about the guests that we will have on our show. So for today, I wish you the best and take care.